This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. My name is Keen, and I learn from the best. And I'm a self-employed social media rap star, James. <laughs> Welcome to Sissy Dead Pod. This is the finale of sorts, kinda first finale of series thirteen of RuPaul's Drag Race US. And this week we are unwrapping bow finale with the wonderful pop singer Jack Rua. Do you know what? Just just thinking, it's like. This season, season thirteen. It's it's like do you know when the 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 Stevens Green Shopping Centre, that like men's clothes shop, unique <laughs> on the first floor that's had like a going out of business, like Sherry's farewell tour, like, poster for the last six months. Like that's yeah. what it is. It's like any minute now we'll get a winner. We'll get any minute now. I was counting. There's been seven episodes this series where no one has gone home, or there will be, including the f- actual finale reunion. This finale, the first three episodes, and then the double. The non-double chanté. Oh, do you know this is this is the thing though. As I was watching this episode, I very much thought like I actually have enjoyed this season, and I like all of the queens, and I'm excited for the finale to to, to find out who wins. And like with the top three that mm. I like the top the three top three as I see them, I'm like excited for any one of them to take it. So like overall, I've really enjoyed it and thought that it's been really fun. But mm. I have been a bit like, come on, guys. So yeah, we chat about the Queen's performances of Lucky, their final looks, and how this was a particularly emotional episode for everyone involved. It was. So let's get into it. Okay, Jack, thank you for joining us today. I, if I am right, are you a sort of newly converted fan of the world of RuPaul's Drag Race? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, I I was very much like... I was never against the idea of watching it, but I just yeah. I had I had a bit of a snobbery when it came to reality TV, um, which I just find uh, like you know, and I think I kind of based that on like keeping up with the Kardashians, things like that. Like I just don't really enjoy it, but uh, like once you kind of immerse yourself in the, not just the artistry, but also the people in Drag Race, it's it mm. is really cool, um. And it was, it's been, this is the first season that I'm watching, or well, this and the UK are the first seasons that I watched in real time, which is exciting. I mean, I found it myself with a similar snobbery kind of when my friends were watching it and I hadn't watched it yet, be like, oh, it's just going to be like lewd and crass humor. I'm not going to enjoy it. And then I watched it and I was like, I love it all. And I love the lewd and crass humor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was about to say, and you didn't get that. <laughs> <laughs> But I think like it's quite like all of those um, reality competition shows, like the top models and the project runways, and that like they all like you're watching those for the reality component, and then there's the creative side of it as well. But I think with Drag Race, because it's so linked into a community, mm-hmm. I think there's that 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 it brings that heart into it in a way that some of those other shows don't or can't really, yeah, can't really absolutely. Do. And as you know, like Drag Race has a far-reaching you know uh, audience it's not just queer people that watch it but as queer people we do kind of see it you know it's nice to see it's nice to see for you know uh people from our community on a such a big mainstream platform you kind of see yourself in it um which yeah, i know yeah. is a and bit... it's so positive in the way it represents people as well like i know there's the shade and there are the villains and whatever but overall it's so positive in the way it it, it displays gay relationship and queer friendship and how we all support each other yeah. and you know i think that's that's a really positive thing for maybe younger well for all gay people and all queer people to see yeah. is like oh this is what we should be aspiring to mm-hmm. 
absolutely because I find my, like you can watch it on so many levels like I watch it now totally differently than I did the first few times I watched it like, in the first you're just sort of trying to keep up because it's all colours and outfits and people and personalities whereas like by this point when you're sort of a seasoned viewer you can watch it on different levels you can see narrative arcs you can see characters you can see artistic expression mm-hmm. and yeah like it is really a really layered show and I definitely found watching it over the years like from when I started it's really helped me you so see the celebration of femininity in in men you know and mm-hmm. i think it's definitely something that i have it has helped me overcome a sort of self internalized homophobia towards my femininity so yeah there's a lot of good in there yeah and absolute and also i don't know it helped me <laughs> i find myself sometimes if i'm like having a fight with my friend or not a fight but like a disagreement with my friends i literally think i'm in uh untucked or something <laughs> I'm like hold up what did you just say like I literally go full like Bianca's are real sometimes it's kind of embarrassing when I catch myself my friends are just like why are you talking like you're in untucked and I'm like shut up so we'll move on from the, the mini therapy session which kind of this episode was kind of a mini therapy session that's what I was just thinking anyway, I was like so. this intro is very like it's very of this episode mm-hmm. you know <laughs> we're gonna get up a little picture what would you say to little Jack we can, we can do um, we can do like a therapy session bingo like anytime we mention cho- chosen family or uh... inner saboteur <laughs> uh, inner saboteur that's a good one yeah, yeah. those kind of things you take a drink um, <laughs> is there anything you want to talk about prior to the actual chats that they had with the judges? The only thing was that Gottmik and Jamal Sims could be the power couple we never knew we wanted. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that would well, be interesting. I, I have, I have two things. For, first of all, um, Candy's boat. I mean, mm-hmm. what would, what, what wouldn't you want? Like, like all the rest. I'm like, I'm going to invest this back into my drag. This money is going to go straight back into like making me the best performer I can possibly be. And Candy means like, I'm going to buy a boat. Fair enough. I'm like, I admire that kind of delusional. Of course, yeah, that that's what you're going to do. You're just going to buy yourself a boat. You live in landlocked uh, the middle of. Uh, oh no, actually, no, it's not landlocked. Yeah, but anyway, there's sea, there's, yeah, oh, there's, there's, there's there is some sea or a river. There's plenty of places you can have a boat. Yeah. I'm just like, what a ridiculous thing to watch. Good on you. Uh, and then also uh, about Jamal Sims. What else has Jamal Sims other than Binacario and RuPaul's Drag Race? Because I don't know him from anything. So I find this like the level of excitement for him, like entering the workroom every time he enters the workroom. It, it just sort of baffles me. Well, he is gorgeous. So maybe yes. that, I mean, other that than could that, be but like, it. No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but, but like there is like there, there, there always is like, oh my God, Jamal Sims, he's gorgeous. He's such a ride. But there's, there's this sort of like, it's like he got like a bigger reaction than Scarlett Johansson got. Yeah. I, I think that was just from Gottmik because Gottmik <laughs> yeah. fancied him. To yeah. be fair. Okay. <laughs> so he appeared in Michael Jackson's Remember the Time video when he was 17 and he choreographed scenes in Footloose, 2011, Step Up, the Hannah Montana movie, as well as pieces for Madonna, Tony Brax, Jennifer Lopez, NSYNC and the Spice Girls. Done a bit. Wow. Well, he go. wouldn't be. He wouldn't be like a celeb in no. term in terms of that. It's not like saying Meryl Streep is coming on, but like, yeah, it's. I would love to see Meryl Streep do choreo rehearsal with the drag queens. I, just, I would. <laughs> she'd be. She'd be an absolute dream guest judge at some art. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> but I actually think Jamal Sims is actually a sort of character. I don't know if I've seen too much on TV before, which is like a mask. You know, mask black queer man and I think he really sort of like he's like most of the sort of black people on the show are kind of a lot more feminine and he's still kind of like if you didn't see him in this space you might be like he might he you know he might you might even think he was straight you know so I think he is kind of interesting Mm -hmm. and he has Mm -hmm. that whole documentary on Rare Presents that I haven't watched yet just about queer black dancers and stuff like that which uh, so I think he is a really interesting character and I do quite like him even though he is kind of a man of few words it seems yeah yeah 
I was uh, one thing I wanted to say. I, I wrote a few notes while I was watching the the episode. One was was that um, I really want got mixed jacket from the workroom. Yes. And when she when she, he was doing the um, the interview with Rue. And the other thing is, I think they all look so tired, which you can't exactly. <laughs> yeah. You can't like um, you can't really fault them for that. I feel like they're probably recording that at like eleven in the morning or something. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, they're like, oh my god, I'm so excited! Like, oh my god, they're, and they're like, one eye is closing, and they, it's funny. Gomick was like proper. There was probably like giddy levels of energy in their interview with Rue and Michelle. Like they just yeah. very excited, and Rue Delirium. was loving it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Like, also, I, I can't, uh, that's something that just occurred to me there. So at the beginning of the episode, they were talking about like Olivia having left last week and they were like, oh, Olivia's only been doing drag for a year. Like, I can't imagine what she'd be doing in two or three years. Gottmik, I mean, Gottmik only begun their transition three years ago and then only started drag kind of like I, for, for both them and then Rosé, who's only been doing drag for three years as well. Like they come off as people who've been doing it much longer mm-hmm. yeah rosé like, i was shocked by for only three years she's yeah. just very seasoned i do yeah i do think rosé is like um probably the most well-rounded queen that's going mm. that's up there which is kind of, i think you know one thing i was thinking is that her her journey is such a, like is such a journey compared to mm. the rest of them i feel like got mick got mick definitely came in and was very like polished and kind of knew what what they were putting across and the same with Simone like they didn't really have such an arc that Rosé had like they kind of showed a few um clips of Rosé back at the start and I was like god such a <laughs> such a journey to come to that final look on the runway yeah mm. yeah absolutely yeah definitely yeah Rosé was so very much in the background for like the first the first like quarter like really up until snatch game Rosé was or, or the Rusical, around that period of time, like, Rosé kind of was forgettable. And, like, really all I remember from that earlier part was, like, this person seems to think they're much better than they're coming across. And that you were kind of, like, thinking that this person is coming in Jan's shadow and is going to kind of be that same narrative of a, a person who really feels that they're an amazing queen and deserves to do so well, but then, like, goes out early. And, like, that's completely flipped around in the last... Since that midpoint of the season. Now, like, she really seems like the most, yeah, the most well-rounded queen, the best performer, fantastic singer, like, really pushes herself. Um, And, like, I think that storyline about, like, her having this, like, inner protectionist, needing everything to be really perfect, like, that's, like, seeing her overcome that has been has been really rewarding. Because that's what you want when you're watching a reality TV show, is you want to see people overcoming their own, like, inter, inner saboteur, as Rue loves to say. And you get that, I think, with Rosé and with Got Mick and with Simone. Less so with Candy. Mm. I was, th- I was, I was going to say as well. Rosé is just such a likable person, in I think, um, yeah. And I think that comes across in the in that sort of arc that she's gone through. Is like I think she's such a calming presence and a like down to earth energy, and that um, you know, it's almost like it's almost like she knew that she was going to get better and that she had a lot more in her locker, and now she's sitting in the top four, just kind of like, yeah, I did that. And that's yeah. that's the kind of energy that I got off her when she was doing the interview with uh, Rue and Michelle. I just thought that's such a that's such a calm person who knows that they're meant to be here and doesn't need to kind of like do anything else with it. Just needs to be themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Both Candy and Simone had a sort of similar theme in their conversation with Rue and Michelle, which was kind of you know Candy said, "I've realized that all the things that I've been made for in the past, I've been celebrated for here." And the same with Simone talking about how she. Uh, 
you know, as Reggie, she finds herself difficult to express these things, but Simone helps herself bring them out in her. Um, and I, again, you know, I mean, you've heard it a few times before, but I still always kind of like to hear it. And it's always excited when, you know, <laughs> Rue has a Sigmund Freud moment. It's like, yes, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> these psychological, you know, anomalies. You kind of know when Rue is about to pull out the sort of uh, the Dr. Phil moment or the, yeah. you know. <laughs> He kind of sits up and he's like, well, the the thing about drag is that, you know, it can really bring out. And then you're just like, oh, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) There seems to be more like finding more joy in the creativity of others Mm -hmm. and not needing so much for kind of him to be the center and the pillar of it it is kind of like like i kind of feel like i was thinking during watching this episode it's like rue has decided now well this is going to be my legacy so i want my legacy to be like the opportunities i've created for other people or something like that and he's like even if you think back to like a couple of years ago where rue was all like oh what's terrible about these young people is they all show up and expect to win a ribbon and they all want to like and we're in a society where nobody wins or loses and it's all kind of like everyone's getting their um getting their gold medals to where he is now which is this kind of like just by being here you're special you're a winner in your own it's like such a change and such a positive change in some ways but then also kind of a negative change because you do sometimes want a winner and a loser you know sometimes you want someone to go home yeah <laughs> Absolutely. And, and it kind of feels like Rue has, has over the years gone from, if I'm to use like a pose reference from like Electra, this like badass bitch, I'm in charge, don't you dare ever come to me to more of like a, a Blanca, like a more nurturing, loving person. And I think I think that is a good direction for them to go. Mm-hmm. Jack, I wanted to ask you as a songwriter, what is do you think the knack of getting a good verse in, in these sort of finale songs? I so I've been thinking about that before like me and my friends play this game with each other where we kind of like live in a fantasy where we're on drag race so we're okay. kind of like okay you would do well at the so- like you know you would do well at the <laughs> improv challenge you would do well at this challenge you would do well. and people obviously say to me you'd be good at the songwriting challenge but I, d- I just don't know how you do that um to write such a kind of like you know uh, like I just thought all of their verses were really cool especially like I thought um I thought that Rosé and Got Mix were amazing. I thought they were the mm-hmm. best. But I just yeah. don't, I don't know how you could put... Like, they're all just so talented as well. Like, because they turn out these looks. They are such good actors. And then they come out with these verses. It makes me... It makes you wonder if there are ghostwriters going on. But, like, there's no evidence of that at this point. So... Mm-hmm. And also, some of them have terrible verses at times. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I do think... But, like, even at the start of the the first was it the first um challenge they did the congratulations yeah yeah like the writing on that was amazing and a phenomenon as well so you know i don't know what it would take to kind of turn out the verses they do i would i don't think i'd be able to do it yeah well i know i know when i'm critiquing them i try to find the ones that have the best like melody within the verse like just whatever the beats are the ones that have those sort of a hook within the verse yeah um so for me i would have said rose and simone were personally my two favorites because i kind of felt even though gotmic was kind of more her lyrically i think simone had better like beats when she was like the whole the brain and ebony yeah. like i think she got those beats mm-hmm. that make you want to sing along better than gotmic did so that's yeah. kind of why i preferred them i think i think why i am um, why i liked gotmic so much was i thought um her verse at the start at the um the God, Mick was born a girl, baby. I just thought that was a bit kind of like 
I just thought that, yeah. that that whole verse was a bit cringe. So yeah. then <laughs> to see her <laughs> come the out, only only bit of the song I could remember other than the chorus. So I mean, it <laughs> <work>. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that wasn't great. But then, so she comes out first and knocks it knocks it out of the park with this like rap, this like Spitfire rap. I just thought that was really yeah. impressive. It wasn't the most melodic. That would obviously be Rosé. Um, I do think Rosé kind of does something. I don't uh, that annoys me. Um, which I know is a bit harsh, but like she does the she does the thing where she'd be like she just drops in this really high note, at, like for all her verses for out of nowhere. And I'm just kind of like, okay, we get it. Like you know, you're a vocalist. You don't have to just go <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> like, yeah. I think it was like three quarters of the way through a verse. I was like, I've, I knew that was coming. Yeah. James, whose verses were your favorite? Um, so Gotmix Got was definitely my, like, Gotmix was the one that I, I will remember from it. Like, I felt like, right. and that, like, I think overall the, even the, like the blue one with the makeup, like the visuals of it as well, tied together with like and her kind of actual like the dancing with it, like the whole thing came together in a in a full package. Where I was like, oh, this is really good. And I think as well, it was a very different style of song for for RuPaul. It wasn't mm. that kind of like electric pop thing. It was moved away from that. Like it was, I don't know. It felt very different. And her verse in that just kind of was like, oh, I'm into this. And then I thought Candy's was a bit lackluster. Yeah, and I didn't, that was my least favorite candies. I, I yeah, I I I in I knew that Rosé's was good because I know she's a good singer, but I wasn't I didn't care that much, and I kind of got overwhelmed by the lighting in Simone's kind of like like washed her out or something. So it was a I don't know. Basically, I thought Got Mix was the best, and the other ones I I I wasn't. As, it's not going to be a song I'm putting on repeat. Basically, it's not going to be like yeah, phenomenal. I actually think phenom- it's one of the best. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it was, it was quite I, good. I thought it was a bit of a that... weird song, to be honest. <laughs> I, I was like, I was like, what is going on? But uh, what's yeah. it? I think that's just you know, I don't know. It was just weird. The sort of like doo wop feel for me was a bit, or not doo wop. Um, that sort of sixties style yeah. for yeah. me was just a bit like, this is weird. And I feel like I feel sometimes Rue's uh, Rue's voice on these songs is a little bit like, you know, uh, pl- like not as not as enthusiastic or charismatic and i really i don't think uh he had the vocal charisma on this song that you'd need for a sort of like 60s yes yeah yeah song it it had the feeling of kind of like an like an intro to like a six like a kind of an i dream of genie or brady bunch or something like like that kind of tv show the campiness to it Mm. Um, overall, and it it felt like a like it felt like a song created for exact exactly for this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I don't think like the original version of it is ever is ever going to see the light of day. But um, phenomenon from the beginning of this season, I still listen to that. Like I think all of the verses on that are really fun. Even Kamora Hall's terrible yeah. one, <laughs> and I I it will be on. It, it is absolutely going to be cracking the like the top ten of my Spotify Wrapped at the end of this year <laughs> with the amount of it. But I cannot see myself actively seeking out this song to listen no. to it. Um, I yeah. I would choose this one over over the earlier ones, and I also think because I think because there's fewer queens, it's easier. I find those earlier ones, it's like they've got five or six different verses, and they're all doing in a sort of different style with a different beat and a different pentameter or whatever, and it's all mm-hmm. kind of a bit uh, kind of like sort of sensory overload. It was Whereas bit. this one kind of you know. It's like, here's a, a long segment of verse and then two similar verses and the yeah. long segment of chorus, you know, whatever. And I think it just flows better for me. But actually, yeah. I know we said this this time last season, but I really actually liked the finale 
of season 12 and I've actually found myself listening to that a lot the sort of like show tunes mirror mm. moment like there do- since Reggie wrote you and the first time they did this um, there is sort of a f- like there seems to be a formula it's where kind of you find a clever way to say your name you give yourself a compliment you say something that you don't like about the other girls and then you kind of do it together in a statement. You like spell something be... out. That's a very important. Spelling is fundamental. Yeah, spelling is fundamental. <laughs> but it's like that does seem, and I think maybe that having heard so many of these songs for a lot of the chorus, a lot of the verses have that like very similar kind of structure. Mm-hmm. Like you're kind of waiting for, you're like kind of like if within the first like three seconds of this, they haven't like introduced who they are. You're kind of like going, oh, this is very different, you know? One thing, one thing I noticed as well that you sort of touched on was uh, Candy's performance. I didn't think was that great, and it looked sort of like the dancing. I don't know if it was her fault though. It seemed like she didn't have that much space on her set. Mm. Did any, yeah. did anyone pick that up? Like it didn't seem like she had a lot of room to dance. I felt like that bench, yeah. that bench was very cumbersome and like very central. And then <laughs> she was just kind of like doing these kicks around it. I'd be really uncomfortable. It didn't. It yeah. didn't uh, for me. That was probably the weakest. Which just because yeah. Simone was able to sit on a deck chair, walk, get up and walk to the other side of her set mm-hmm. and then dance over there. Because yeah. Yeah, Candy had like a whole park bench and then she had like a post box as well. And then obviously there was like a two meter, like they all had to be really aware of the fact that they couldn't move to the back of their set because there's the dancers back there and you've got your social distancing going on. Like the whole level of like weird kind of things have to take into account when you're doing it. And the other ones, you're right, did all have more space to move around in. Or like Gottmik was like, like the prop was being used for more or less the entire duration of the, the 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 performance, so it didn't really matter that there wasn't a huge amount more space for her to work in. Um, and also, like the sexy beekeeper dancers. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was wild. I don't I don't know what that was about. Oh uh, yeah, because just... they wanted to wear masks, but they didn't want to show the masks, so they were like, "Let's go for the beekeeper." I don't know. <laughs> I it was a it was weird flex. Like I was kind of like, "What's I was like, what's going on here?" kind of a bit it was yeah. a bit it was a bit terrifying because there was like this really kind of like katori look in front of them and then these just like it was almost like like i remember once lady gaga did a performance with these like men with bal- balaclavas in the background and it was a bit like mm. that it was a bit unsettling yeah <laughs> yeah it was a bit no, dystopian I, or whatever yeah. Yeah, it exactly. was yeah it's like right kind of sexy fencing competition sexy fencing <laughs> <laughs> So as you know, Sissy That Pod is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network and there is an opportunity for listeners to support the show over at Headstuff Plus where you can support us for five euro a month in exchange for some bonus content. We've had a good few episodes up there, but this week, anyone who subscribes up or is already subscribed is going to get two personalised playlists for you to enjoy. And it's basically just what James and I have been listening to in 2021 thus far mm-hmm. yeah we are getting getting a, a, a an early start on those spotify rap playlists we are getting in there to figure out what mm. that first quarter is going to look like um i think with mine you can very much expect it to reflect the fact that all i do in life anymore is run okay so uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be very much like things to run to yeah okay <laughs> Mine's more of a mixed bag, some new, some some old, mostly sort of pop leaning. And of course, it kicks off UK Hun because, I mean, that's the biggest earworm of the year so far. Um, so, yeah, some f- fun songs in there if you're looking to just, you know, spruce up, spring clean what you're currently listening to. They're two fun playlists that we'll be sending out to all of our subscribers. So, yeah, you can so you can support 
assist that pod over there and we'd be very grateful but of course not everyone has the opportunity or means to do so so do not worry we are still here to entertain you some of our sibling podcasts on the network uh we want to highlight with you and we have a brand new podcast on the network that we want to shout out to you it's by the happy broadcast which is an instagram page instead of website is it a website (laughs) yes no it's not which is an instagram page that you might have seen which kind of highlights happy news anxiety free news from around the world which is just a really nice resource if you want to spruce up your timeline and try to avoid feeling body conscious and all the other things that you can feel negative yeah no i think i think it's a nice idea because i would say that particularly and this is a great idea in terms of a podcast because it's all about keeping things positive and reducing the anxiety and i would say that like other than sort of spending so i'm going to need to listen to an awful lot of it next week in order to try and calm down the old nerves after that candy candy news <laughs> save this this i mean you know that and and of course you know riots in belfast and mm. the the terrible republicans i mean you know the big issues the big candy issue. muse america us <laughs> all the rest of us the covid UK. yeah God forbid. <laughs> covid you know yeah well th- this is a brand new show which is full of anxiety free news mental health tips and a platform Form for their community to tell them what makes them happy. So it's going to be out every Monday from now. And here is a wee a little clip. Tired of tuning into negative news? Well, get your week off to the right start with the Happy Broadcast. Let's help you focus on the positive things happening in our world. Each episode will feature positive news, some mental health tips, and we'll hear from our Happy Broadcast community about what makes them happy. The podcast is hosted by me, Amy O'Dwyer, in collaboration with Mauro Gatti and his popular social channel, The Happy Broadcast. Episodes are out every Monday and you can listen and subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts. Let's help spread some positivity. The finale looks were, were next and up first was Got Mick with her Cruella Couture, um, which I thought was really nice, but I didn't really get the hair. Uh yeah, I thought it was it was a bit weird at the sides, wasn't it? Yeah, very poofy. Yeah, I thought. Well, I my jaw did kind of drop when Got Mick came out. I think if there's one queen that consistently, or if there's well, I think there's two queens that have consistently brought amazing looks, which are Simone and Got Mick. Yeah, like they they absolutely kill it every time. And I thought, even though it was a bit weird and the the wig, I agree with you about the wig. I do think that the attention to detail, the way her eye was this kind of like cut it all it was like such a fantasy the eye was like colored but then the rest of it was black and white and it really i don't know it, it, i just thought that was quite magical yeah i thought i thought it was absolutely beautiful i love the way that like even within the, the like the even in the dress like there was the cutout so you got the skin tone which is up on the face mm-hmm. as well and i didn't mind the hair i thought like it it was kind of a like it was a, a bit more of a fantasy style wig, but I I thought it was great. And you're right on that, like the eye makeup being like I think it was in the pride color, uh, the pride flag colors. Mm-hmm. Like I think that it, it used all of those in there, and it just she just looked amazing when she came around the corner. And you just you just really appreciate what an amazing artist mm. she is uh, to be able to create that um, and have it look so seamless, like the way she was able to incorporate the, the, the black dots on the wig to make sure that it matched up and looked like it was all part of, it was all something that happened natural, which is just 
I, I thought it was it was spectacular. Yeah. When she pointed out that she had sort of circles of her own skin tone in there as well, I thought that was great. And then I was kind of like, I kind of wished I wanted more. There was only two or three. And I was like, I would have loved a sort of almost equal amount. But I figured that was probably difficult when it got down towards the end of the dress. But but, but also, mm-hmm. I kind of, I actually thought it was really effective the way there was only one or two because it's sort of like, it took, for me, it took it took you out of that fantasy and brought you back to the her actual skin tones and it was yeah. it was really subtle as well like what you mentioned about the pride colors like it wasn't as if that was like a rainbow over her eye it was so subtle and i thought you know to add little subtle details like that is really clever and um yeah yeah great and i did yeah. look at that 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 circle of skin around her eye being like how did she do that did she have like some sort of moisturizer thing she had to stick on her face and, <laughs> and trace around like a stencil i was like i have no idea I do think, like, and we'll get to Simone later on, I do think the difference between Gottmik and Simone, I've realised, is is what where Simone brings a character, I think Gottmik brings a quirk to it. There, there's always a sort of, like, difference in kookiness and originality to it, whereas mm. Simone kind of brings, you know, sass and personality and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. They both, but they both have such strong brands as well. Like, I think, you know, Rosé does, does have a brand, but it's a bit more effervescent or it's, like, not as rooted in one thing, whereas, you know, Gottmik is sort of the sort of the high fashion clown kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, Simone constantly nods to black culture, which is amazing as well in kind of unique yeah. ways. Um, so that's their, they just have such strong brands. No, I think you're, you're absolutely right. I think Gottmik and Simone both have very, like very unique brands and are very like unique in, in what they're doing. Rosé is very strong and very talented in the area she's in, but it's a bit more generic because it's kind of more that like musical theatre, singing and dancing kind of place. I, I suppose Candy, who we keep forget, keep forgetting, poor old Candy, she's sitting there and she doesn't really have anything to do. Um, like she is quite... She is quite strong in her own brand as well, but it's just a little bit more chaotic and a little bit messier. And I, I don't know, we, like, I suppose we'll get through it as well, but I I found her so out of her depth in this entire episode. Like her, she's like funny and she's sincere and she's charismatic and she she like is, is really original. But just I felt throughout this entire episode, she was fading into the background in some places. You were seeing how she was not quite matching up to the level, which just made the, this episode as good. I actually really enjoyed this episode overall, but there was just something unsatisfactory about it because it felt like there was an obvious person who didn't deserve to progress onto the top three yeah. and that it kind of was overlooked a little bit. I do think, yeah, I kind of feel like if the trajection, if the trajectory of um, Drag Race was to continue and that they were eliminating people, it would be Candy because it sort of was the, like I was I was a big Olivia stan, um, but I did kind of feel like her, you know, it was, it was time for her to go the episode previously. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how I felt about Candy here. Like it's 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 interesting what you say about her brand because she does have a brand, but it's not like a visual brand, and it's or it's not a a fashion brand. It's more just a brand of personality slash um, performance. She's one of the better performers there, yeah, but um, definitely, I don't think that necessarily translates in this kind of runway runway where we've got the to the end of the competition and you have. Uh, people like Gottmik and Simone coming out in these absolutely yeah. fabulous numbers, and I sort of was with Candy. I was a little bit like, "Well, that's that's a bit of a costume, you know." I did like the fa- the final look, and I did think it was nice the big sort of shoulder. I kind of felt it should have been further down her neck because I kind of felt she just looked like a floating head on a sort of frame. <laughs> mm. I know she's got, got. I think she's got quite a short neck anyway, mm. but 
I don't know. That's just the first thing that came away. I was like, I actually quite like what you're wearing. I kind of thought the oversized shoulders worked for her. But I think to counteract that, you need to have a longer neck because yeah, mm. otherwise you look shrunken. It was um, it was amazing makeup though on Candy. I, I didn't really like what she was wearing. Um, and I don't know if it's that with the other one. So Got Make Rosé Simone, there was a really obvious true line. It's like we were kind of just talking about the brand thing. Like it was real obvious kind of like, this is me representing yeah. myself in the most like excellent version. Whereas... With Candy's episode, outfit, like you wouldn't see that outfit and automatically go, "Oh, that's a Candy Muse no, outfit." But in I don't fact, think she probably... could have worn anything, and it would have been because I just don't think she's established her runways as well as the other three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. But I felt in isolation. I actually, compared to all her other looks, that was one of my favorites. That's yeah. Cool. Okay. Well. I do you disagree. <laughs> How many I, were no, better I, than I, that? <laughs> um. I, I don't I don't really know. Nothing she's done on the runway this season has like super blown me away. Um and it is always like personality that's carried her like very strongly. Um but yeah, no, I, I didn't I didn't love it. I thought that the fabric looked like it would be like sweaty to wear and sort of felt kind of like it would be uncomfortable. And then like there's that whole thing where like there's an obvious reveal going on because like you can tell it's gonna be like a pull away thing. Um and yeah, it's got like a weird sixties like I don't know, because she was talking in her, like, little go-through at Rue about how she was really inspired by um, Andy Warhol's muse, Candy, whatever her name was. And obviously then that 60s period, so that you can see that that is why she brings some of that into her look. But then she does this kind of, like, real, like, Asia, House of Asia street kind of thing. And I just find that those two worlds, she isn't meshing them particularly seamlessly. So that it, it always feels a little bit at odds. Um, if no, I sense. totally agree, and I, but I, I sort of feel we're viewing it from different ways. I mean, you're viewing her final look as a critique of sort of her overall trajectory, whereas I kind of feel I'm just taking it. This is another look, and I thought it was okay. <laughs> yeah, that was good. I do. I don't think I don't think Candy's strength in this competition has ever been her runway. Um, yeah. It's always as we kind of said before. It's always kind of her performance style. And I actually, I actually saw Candy when I was in New York, like in a bar. Um, I didn't know who it was, but then someone pointed out it. I was tagged in a voter with her, and I was like, "Oh, that's wild!" But like, I think when <laughs> she's um, she is kind of a, she's a host, like she yes. hosts nights, and that's where her true strength comes out is the the sort of like MC of the of a. It's just her, yeah. That's just her. She's kind of like that's why she did so well in the roast and in the uh, yeah, in the roast because that's kind of who she is. She's kind of like a star in terms of character yeah. you know next up was rose with her tartan gown and i actually thought this was was a funny just reflection of european identity in the u.s versus european identity in europe i mean like we had Lawrence cheney and ellie diamond from scotland and you know if you met rose in the street you wouldn't wouldn't scream scottish to you but of course, you know she identifies as scottish and this is the most scottish thing we've ever seen <laughs> on the runway this is like scottish squared it's like irish equivalent of making a whole dress out of shamrocks or something like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it definitely uh, it is very americans kind of um wearing their heritage you know um which is which is great but um it was a little bit on the nose but it's still a great presentation of you know of that heritage in it's kind of uh in its most overt way you know yeah I would have loved to know if that tartan was actually her family tartan or not I but I kind of was hoping she'd re- she'd say that but she didn't the the rose family tartan yeah <laughs> wait that has a good ring to it <laughs> um i i didn't i thought that she looked the dress was, i thought that the wig was too big 
I thought that the, the hair the, the, the hair was too long. I didn't mind. I thought the makeup wasn't great. The blue eyeshadow, I didn't think um, was great. I, God, I can't remember that. I just remember thinking that you could tell. Like, you know, the way those big, massive wigs were always like two or three wigs mm. kind of like knitted together. Like, you could kind of see that a little okay, bit yeah. with it. And I don't think it needed that like huge. Like, I think obviously that, that hair reference was to your one from Brave. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I could understand one in a huge shock of red hair and there's nothing sort of more Scottish, you know, looking than that. But I, I thought that she would have gotten away with it without having that, whatever that last wig put in um, and probably would have made more of an impact or would have looked a little less. So is your issue with the wig, the construction of the wig rather than the wig itself? So, yeah, no, yeah. My, my, my issue was that you could tell it was a couple of wigs put together. You could tell it was a few wigs kind of like t- tacked together. And I didn't think it was necessary. That's not a bad thing. I just didn't think it was necessary. What is necessary? <laughs> but I, 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 I understand the point though was like you know it's a tradition. It's a it's a it's a physical feature associated with a part of the world, and she wanted to do a drag version of a redhead, I presume. And and, and it was quite yeah. nice to see such a long wig that was so wavy as well. You don't often see it. Yeah. As well. No, that's true. You usually get the the share. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you like Rosé's look, Jack? Yeah, I did. I wouldn't. It wasn't my favorite, and it wasn't my favorite of the ones that she's delivered as well. Um, I kind of like. I get it, and it's it's cool. I'm kind of on the same page as you in terms of the makeup. I thought it, the the uh, lipstick was a bit, you know, weird compared. I'm just looking at her. You know, the photos she put up in her Instagram now, which are beautiful. But um, yeah, it's I, it was it was a bit weird, but it was good. Like it was good. It was fine. It wasn't my favorite. I don't. I, it did. It did make sense as a finale look for her, though. I think. Yeah, yeah absolutely. If you're sense. if you're going to kind of like package up your brand and your sort of what you're trying to communicate with your drag, it would be that. It would be that sort of like amalgamation of uh, U.S. and European mm. um, expressions. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Finally, then was Simone. I thought this was just fantastic. You know, we. It's been. It's kind of commonplace sometimes for some of the queens of colour to to go to an old school gospel or you know black culture look but I thought this was one of my favourites this was like sort of gospel Lauren Hill and I just really really loved it yeah I thought I thought she looked absolutely beautiful I thought she looked beautiful in the she always does but I was kind of blown away by her in the um in the challenge as well in the actual singing by her her look there because she sort of embodied that 60s feel visually probably the most with the kind of with the hair that was very kind of like Supremes, um, and yeah, I thought her look on the runway is beautiful as well. That's kind of what I was saying before, like how she always injects that element of um, black culture into it. I find really endearing, or not endearing. I just think it's it's kind of beautiful. She's she does it in such a cool way, and the dress, even though for me it was probably the plainest look in terms of yeah. in terms of detail, it was still really effective. The color worked really well with her skin and with the lights and everything. It was, yeah, yeah, she's great. Yeah, no, I think um, Carson said it on the Carson said it on the the main stage how um, she always wears the clothes. The clothes never wear her, and like that, that was the most simple outfit we saw on the main stage overall. But it was just, it looked beautiful. Like it was, it was flawless. Um, and with the the cornrows and the hair with the jewels going through it. it. It just, like, everything just worked together. And there is just a fierceness that she brings in that, that, that character that, yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty faultless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. 
Okay, so then we have the critiques. I kind of what we mentioned earlier on. I feel they were some of the most personal critiques that we've gotten at that sort of final stage. Rue seems to be really sort of making sure that he knows they know they're all he's all proud of them and they have their little chat to their younger selves moment and i thought it was interesting that rue said we've gotten your permission to show you this photo got mick um because i think it showed that rue or at least the production company wanted to make sure that the people who are you know who are adamant and would attack them online for the trans community wouldn't attack them and I think that is actually a new direction for Rue to take because normally he's like I don't really care what people say yeah, it's, yeah. it was important for uh, him to sort of make that distinction or you know to say that uh, they got her permission because that I'm I can imagine that could be a bit of tricky for especially with trans people so and, and yeah. um I thought, yeah, Gottmik spoke really well. I thought it was it was it was very respectful of them to say that, and then also to like use the language because normally it would say normally in that segment it's all like, what would you say to little Reggie or what would you say to little um, little Jonathan or little Michael or whatever. It, it, throughout then the rest of it to be like, what would you say to your two year old self? Like it kind of you know it didn't single Gottmik out for the fact that they weren't using the. The, the the previous name the dead name um but yeah and i thought i thought that got mix kind of the message i was like just trust trust who you are was was really was really lovely i i, I got emotional watching it got mick made me emotional a number of times in this episode um, one thing i one thing yeah. i love about got mick in this episode and throughout the whole season is like even though even though i'm not i'm not throwing simone under the bus here for the way she was crying on the runway i do kind of feel like queens like simone have sort of done the forced crying quite a lot um mm-hmm. and I think I don't I can't really remember a time that got Mick showed any tears but still conveyed uh sincerity and emotional you know yes. uh, like a, an yeah. emotion without the kind of like I'm gonna cry <laughs> you know it's fu- funny you said that yeah. because got Mick in Untucked I don't know if you got a chance to watch Untucked said that if because they're on a lot of testosterone at the moment they were like if, if I wasn't on so much testosterone I would be a blubbery mess okay. so maybe that's what's actually stopping them crying <laughs> is just the excess testosterone coursing through their body <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um, that makes a lot of sense now yeah <laughs> <laughs> but no I do I do think you're like there. there, there is it, there's um the fact that you can see the sincerity and you can feel how real it is to the person in the moment without the kind of without the the, the juddering and the tears and the crying like like I think that just I think it just, like it just shows how vulnerable Got Mick is willing to make themselves and like kind of just showing all of who they are and I yeah it because with Simone you are right we've seen the tears a lot and I think that they're they're all genuine and it's coming from like a place of like being kind of overwhelmed but i think it it it's maybe somebody who's not quite in control of their own journey mm. quite yet in the same way that that got Mick is yeah well i think with with Simone like the reason i i um said that i wasn't throwing her into the bus is that i actually like was really moved by her speech to reform herself like i think there was a yeah. lot of truth in that and it was beautiful and i just wanted to give her a big hug and you know yeah uh, she really and she was crying as well and like it must also like i sort of, i'm a bit harsh on them just because it, it's sort of like my <laughs> it's my it's my own uh, thing with the reality tv the like forced tears i get a bit like sort of zone out when it happens but like it also must be incredibly emotional like you're on one of the biggest stages in the world pro- the biggest stage yeah. in the world for that art form and you're in the top four and you've been working your ass off for weeks so you're tired and you're emotional the tears probably aren't 
false at that point. Except for Ruse. <laughs> well, yes. The, <laughs> Ruse, Ruse tears to Gottmik felt very... Um, as, Going for the Emmy. Yeah, exactly. Ordered on <laughs> Wish.com. Like, it was... Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's literally like the voice is like, you know, I was just really moved by the way you were talking about <laughs> like, like, literally zero to a hundred, you know. <laughs> No, completely. And yeah, I mean, as as myself and Keen discovered when we did a deep dive through Ruth's whole acting um, pursuits, not the most convincing talented. actor, yeah. you know, not the no. most talented actor. No, a bit of a Madonna. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm just going to recap towards the end of the episode. And James, I'll let you go on your rant about how you felt about the, the, the format uh, ending up. So basically, I had to do a lip sync individually to I learned it from the best the HQ2 radio mix by Whitney Houston which I mean I do think Rue knows how to choose one of the, the good remixes like whenever you see Hex Hector on a remix you're like okay this is going to be a gay club special um, so I mean uh, so it was good to see they all lip sync individually and they're one button and they're all told that they are safe and into the finale for the listener there was a very long segment of James and I bickering last week that was cut out of the outro of like why <laughs> whether it was going to be four people saved where be three whether that's right whether that's wrong so i'm opening the floor up to james now to have at it well no so I, i've already said a lot of what I, I feel about this and i think so if you break it down the episode into say the performance gotmick and simone in my view won the performance into the runway and the little speech to self simone and gotmick won that segment as well then you get to the lip sync and i think simone and rose were the strongest in that i think that throughout the entire episode Candy, I, I really like Candy as a character. Candy uh, has been a brilliant drag race contestant, uh, is a brilliant host, is a fantastic drag queen, but is out of her depth. And as a person watching a show like this, it, it, it is just like you're left with blue balls because you're like, this person doesn't deserve to, not that they don't deserve to go, but it's like what you actually would have wanted in that moment is after the lip sync for Rue to say, Candy, step forward. You're an amazing contestant. You are a brilliant queen, but this is not your time. And for her to sashay away and to have that moment of kind of recognition of the journey she's had and instead we all kind of, first of all, it makes the, the whole episode a bit pointless. Like, why did we just watch this hour of of this? Why did we just watch this last hour if it's just going to be a foregone conclusion and it felt like a foregone conclusion going into it? Like, why did we watch this if we're just going to get this top four going in and now we have another finale? And we all know Candy's not going to win. Like, we all, like, it's not, it's not like as if there's like sort of, like the, the playing field is like, she is so far behind in terms of what she's done in the, in the rest of the season with the other top three. And this is a very strong top three. I, I just, that just, that just frustrated me because it felt like, it felt like, it, it, it felt unnecessary to do this. It felt like we see, we all as the viewers, we can all agree that Candy Muse doesn't necessarily deserve to move on to the top three. Bring her back for all stars when she's had a chance to get her fashion together and build her brand a bit more and then let her run wild and she can get to the top two where she can win. But I just felt, I, I got frustrated by that because it just was like, it, it felt unnecessary and kind of just like a bit, I don't know, I don't know, it's sort of unfair to the other queens as well and kind of unfair to Candy too. Say so rant over. <laughs> <laughs> rant over, mic drop. <laughs> um yeah i i kind of agree like i think that i do think the format of having a top four is the sort of best one in terms of the you know how the the fin- finale will probably be structured which is like lip syncs against each other or whatever it may be 
Um, well, maybe it won't be that. Does anyone does anyone know what the format? Well, so, so this is kind be? of what I was going to say was I kind of went into this presuming nobody was going to go home because the, of the of the ongoing final four finale. So I kind of was like, yeah. you know, I expected this to be the case, and I think you know whether it's unfair for Canterbury to be there, it's kind of too late to kick her out because they needed four people, um, and I think maybe they did this episode for flexibility around COVID. They didn't know what sort of finale they can have. So, you know, maybe they could have done, you know, a Zoom thing or whatever. And there could have possibly been an alternative ending where she was kicked off. I don't know. Uh, so mm. there was a picture that Scarlet Envy posted on um, Instagram of her outside that theatre in Los Angeles that they normally film the finale in. So I think it's possible that there mm-hmm. will be a sort of lip sync smackdown for the crown, just not in front of a live audience. Or maybe some other format, but it will be sort of in-person finale. See, season season eight, they had the top three and they did their like, they did their each individual lip sync and there was no like lip sync for life against one another. I was wondering if maybe they were going to do that format again where the three of them would have their original songs and then a winner would be selected out of them. Um, and I sort of think that if they had a plan and play, I don't know, like it just, uh, it, because Candy got sent home, justify, like Candy got sent home already this season and justifiably so, did worse than the challenge and lost the lip sync, but then was saved by virtue of the fact that she has so much charisma and she was such a huge part of the show. So I was kind of like, when that happened at the time, I rolled my eyes a little bit, but I was also like, I'm glad Candy's not gone. She's such a huge personality. We need her for the rest of the season. But at this stage, I just am like thinking, you know, don't protect don't build up the suspense when we all know that it you know i don't know i just it's think for, for future TV. guys <laughs> but i just think it, <laughs> it, it 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 breaks a trust with the viewer in a way because it kind of goes like well we can't really trust this suspense that you're trying to build up well i felt no suspense because i was like well they're all staying yeah, and I felt just annoyed going into it because I knew that this was going to happen and I knew I was going to be annoyed yeah, at it. <laughs> my, last, my last note that I wrote while I was watching the episode was top four, didn't see that one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was kind of, I was like, what is the point? I think they've done that before and it's just not, it's not the kind of like, it's not the, uh, it's not the like plot twist that anyone needs or it's not even, it's not a plot twist. Like everyone knows it. So like, the kind of bit where they're like the fallen queen step forward and then they like really slowly name everyone it's like oh my god groundbreaking but you yeah. know. but it's the old, oldest no. trick in the book it's the same as louis walsh being like we're really sorry but you're gonna have to pack your bags for the other two weeks because mm. you're going to boot camp like it's the same trick so i mean i at this point i this i personally feel there's no point getting annoyed i just accept it for what it is yeah and, uh, i'm moving yeah. on um so i think it's time uh, to I-, I think it's time to pitch our horse to a wagon am i messing up metaphors here nail our horse to a wall (laughs) what (laughs) hashtag team are you on jack oh i was thinking of this before i think i've probably been converted to team rose okay um i do think she is the most uh, talented fully rounded queen um and that that might be a controversial opinion because uh, Simone and Gottmik have been so iconic in their own rights and I I do really love both of them but I just think Rosé kind of has has an element of professionalism and um, mm-hmm. a triple or quadruple threat that I really like so I'd say I'm uh, Team Rosé. James? I, I'm teetering on the like I'm, I'm on the fence between Team Gottmik and Team Rosé like I, I but it's think time that to got... pitch our horse to the car. I know, I know. I'm, <laughs> yeah. thinking, I'm, I'm sitting here which with cars? the nail gun, saying, "Which one am I? Am I? Am I? Am I pitching to? Um, which horse? Which which horse is getting it? Um, yeah. I think Gottmik. I think I think because 
coming into the coming into the season when I heard that they'd cast a trans contestant, I was really kind of concerned that it was going to feel like it it had been done just as kind of like a, a fop to kind of like you know oh stop giving out about it's not being inclusive and then gomic arrived and in that first week or two was kind of flopping around on deck like a fish out of out of water but then once they found their stride there has been such a transformation they have managed to across the board like kill every single challenge that they've they've come into i and yeah, so I, I I feel with that growth and with that journey and with the statement it would make as well, but not making the statement for the sake of making it, but because mm. this is a deserved winner as well. I, I think that would be probably what I would like. To I see mean, it's happen. a very tough finale and I could definitely make an argument for all of them, but I do find myself, I am, I, I was teetering between Rosé and Simone, but I have pitched to the hash, hashtag team Simone because I just think if I look back to the whole series, I think she's the one who's consistently impressed me and has consistently excited me. And although I kind of feel it's a bit unfair if anybody wins other than Got Mick because they've they've really excelled at the more important points, I think mm. Simone is somebody who will I think will always interest me. Gives me a real sort of Shea Coulee vibe of just like this person's going to sla- like home run it, um, and yeah. I, so I think that's why I'm Team Simone. So enjoyably, we're all on a different <laughs> wagon. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think that really um I think that really speaks volumes about the strength of this uh top four. Maybe like you're kind you're kinda of right, James, about uh Candy as well. I do think it is kind of unfair to have mm. her there. Which yeah. is which is you know uh, like she's great in her own way, but like not compared to the other three and like I don't I don't want to be unfair, but like <clears> it is it's a good strength or it's a good testament to how good they all are that we all pick different ones. Yeah. yeah. Just not counting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jack, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, what do you have coming up? Is you have a new single out? Is it this Friday? Yes. Thank you for mentioning it. It's, uh, it's in, yeah, so it's the 16th of April. I have a single coming out called Contact, which is um, with a US-based artist called um, Saint Taint. Mm-hmm. And then that is the first single from an EP that we're going to be bringing out um, at the at the start of May if you were to choose one of your songs to be lip synced to what would you choose Rise okay <laughs> I, and I say that because uh, someone has uh, a drag queen has already lip synced to it oh, and nice. it, looked, it looked fierce and it was kind of like that's kind of what I strive for yeah. as a musician <laughs> We're so happy to have Jack on the podcast. I am a big fan of his music and uh, like one of my favorite pop stars from Ireland as well. So happy to have him on board. So check him out and that new single on Friday if you haven't done so thus far. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think great to get his insight into a music challenge. And also, I suppose, overall, the entire like this episode of podcast of of, of Drag Race and then also the podcast Mm. ended up being kind of like an introspective one. Yeah, a lot of like soul searching and uh, and self-examination. And I felt that that Jack's calming presence really it did you know, yeah he's quite, quite to that. insightful really do you know chooses his words very well mm. uh, an episode I'm sure where people won't be choosing their words very well will be the season 13 reunion which is coming up next week so we'll be back with you to dissect that always a weird episode to talk about really because it's just us talking about other people talking about drag race but there you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is a weird one to try and talk about because you are just looking back at what what people have done and you've already talked about it so you're kind of like revisiting stuff that you've already revisited um but i think it'd be interesting to hear what our wonderful listeners have to say about the the season overall like the over as we, as we start to look back this is your lifestyle at um season 13 to feel 
what what it is that we connected to so head on over to our instagram and make sure that we put up a question throughout the, the the week just to let us know what has been your your overarching feeling of season 13 and what you've loved about it what's driven you a bit mad about it we all know what's driven me bad about it uh, and we'll 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 have a chat about a few of our favorite ones next week on the the the, the recap of the recap yeah absolutely so that's at to see that part on instagram yeah let us know what was the highlight of the season you know how which, what format changes you might like how did Snatch Game compare to the canon of Snatch Games all that sort of stuff let us know in that comment until then have a lovely week see you love you bye, bye. this show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network a hub for the creative and the curious Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.